Hello, this is the A to Z podcast. I am Zach Jackson. He is Andre Knott. We are at Akron Jackson, at Dre Knott on most of your favorite social media platforms. We're at A to Z podcast.com and facebook.com slash A to Z podcast. As always, we give shouts to our friends and sponsors, Cleveland Scene, The Honeymoon Grill, and American Fireworks. We thank them for supporting us. We hope you'll support them, and we thank you for supporting us as this thing has continued to grow. We have fun with it. Um, in this kind of off-season, even though when you cover the Browns, it's, there's never really an off-season, we have uh, been able to at least lay the foundation, hopefully, for some bigger and better in 2020. Uh, Dre, to me, I don't know, it's like February 7th or February 9th or something like that. It means you're going to Arizona in like two weeks. Yeah, boy. <laughs> yes, sir. I'm not far away from going. Uh, since it's snowing sideways here in northeast Ohio, and we had ice like I've never seen before last night, uh, it's about time to go. It's funny. It I was a crazy a, uh, ice storm, wasn't care. it? It was crazy. Yeah. You know, the crazy, it, it is. And the crazy thing is we've become soft with this weather because not to be that guy. And hi, Karen in Oakland. You know I love you. This is your podcast since you were complaining about this one. Hey, we love all you guys, especially you, Karen, in Oakland. Um, you Nobody tweets better about the Rizzo show and other things. That, um, we, we apologize that we don't give you a pod as much as we used to. We're going to. We're working on some stuff. And I'll be honest with you, and I'm speaking out loud, and I'm not speaking for that. Um, I think, once again, the Brown season punched us in the gut. And – I'm, I'm saying this out loud. I know that we get unbelievable numbers, and the carnage of Brown seasons gets you guys to run to your to your phones or however you listen to podcasts. But I'll be honest. I think we we needed a time. This is from my point of view. I'm not speaking for Zach. He'll speak for himself. Um, I think we needed a deep breather uh, just away from podcasting for a while. Um, because the thing is, and I think we both know this, and I think Kobe Bryant uh, passing away in that accident, because I actually went back and listened to some of our podcasts, and I listened to other podcasts. Um, and I don't know, Zach kind of forced us to do the, the, the Kobe podcast when we did it. Um, it was a nice reminder, Z, that we well, – look, we love football, and we love talking football, but we're capable of talking about more than football. <laughs> yeah. well, it was a good reminder that we could do that. And I'm, like, I'm, just, I'm, admitting, I'm admitting to you that we had a little bit of a Browns overload with this podcast, and I get that there are a ton of people that run and want to hear about Brown stuff, I don't know how you write about it and podcast about it as much as you have. Um, well, and I know I kind of went all over the place in that first statement, but I mean it. <laughs> well, it's funny you say that because this is mid-afternoon uh, that we're recording this. And for most of the day, uh, I've been on various computers or kind of at my makeshift desk, you know, catching up on things. And I've been catching up on the Move the Sticks podcast. I've been catching up on some other things that right. I normally listen to. But it just comes to the point, Dre, where – it's nothing personal to anyone on the radio. Like I can't do it. Right. Like I just right. men mentally, right. I have, I have to get away from it. Um, and, and you're right. And like, I hope, and I think in this one, we'll talk about a bunch of different things, but like we can't talk about the Indians because people have their mind made up. Right. We can't talk about the Browns because yeah. we can't answer right. any questions because it's a new regime. Like it is every goddamn year. So we don't know what they're going to do with Joe Schobert and Christian Kirksey. Right. Like there's no way to say. So, right. Um, well, no. Well, but here's, well, here's, well, here's the other thing. And which is, is a part of our business now, too. I have my feelings about Joe Schobert. Like, and, and, and I'm allowed to have my opinions or feelings about him. Right. But if I say what I'm going to say about him and I hate this is what our business has become. I think I got to deal with assholes on Twitter telling me I don't know anything or I'm racist. I like Joe Schobert a lot as a guy. In the times I've met him and interviewed him, been around him, I like him. I wouldn't pay him 
over the average of what a linebacker gets. Now, is he a good player? Is he a guy that fits on some roster? Sure. Um, I can't build my linebacking core around him. Nothing well, personal. That's just me. Yeah, I'm going to tell you this. Um, he's going to get paid by somebody. You know, team. No doubt. There, there's lots of teams that need linebackers no right now. So we'll see. And we'll that, see. and that, te- and that team, if they, and that team, if they don't have a 245 pound, 250 pound guy that can take on fullbacks and take on guards, they're going to get the, they're going to get the ball ran down their throat. Yeah. So, and that's not Joe Schobert's fault. Yeah. And the way the game is played nowadays, Joe fits on a team because you do need a dime, you do need a good nickel linebacker that can run. And, and chase running backs and chase slot guys. But he's not the guy you put in the middle, especially in the AFC North, when you have to stop the run uh, a, a big amount of the time. Well, it certainly will be interesting because um, the Browns might be in position to draft that Simmons kid from Clemson who was safety, linebacker, yeah. nose guard, corner, depending on the play, right? And he looks he's, like an AFC North linebacker. He's the future, Z. What's that? Yes, he does. He's the future. He's the future. Yeah, he is the future so, of what you want on defense. But then again, they have other needs and all that. Um, I think we're going to touch on all the sports today, or at least most of them, but I want to start with this. So last weekend, went out with some of my friends. Uh, some of my best friends, Dre, they live right up the road from me. Um, they have triplets. <laughs> and the triplets are oh. in middle school. And I believe they turned 12. Oh. Is that what you turn when you're in sixth grade? 12. Yeah, something like Anyway, they're close. Yeah. yeah. So their their birthday was last weekend. And so for the first time, they all got cell phones, right? Um, oh, old enough God. to have their own lives. And between their sports and whatever else they're in, it's nice for mom and dad to be able to keep an eye on them. So they finally got cell phones. So we were at dinner just around the corner, a bunch of us having some chuckles and having some drinks and and my friend said, hey, why don't you text my son and just give him some crap? So, like I said, the, the trips are, are two boys and a girl. And the boys, you know, I'm Uncle Zach, right? I wrestle with them. They talk crap to me. Right. They play video games. I go to their games. I take them to games. You know, it's it's cool. Uh, you know, it wasn't so cool on vacation when I, I realized how old I was because they beat the absolute snot out of me on the first day and I couldn't walk the rest of the week. But <laughs> we mess with each other. So I start messing with them and – He's guessing who it is, right? And he thinks he's cool because he's getting text messages and his brother and sister aren't getting text messages and they're all guessing. Well, finally, they call my phone and it goes to voicemail so they figure out that it's me. So for the next three days, these three 12-year-olds spend hours just texting me, your trash, using the word, you're wrong, right? Um, Wastebasket emojis, telling me, you're fat old loser, you're so washed, you'll never beat me in anything. And it just, this goes on for like the whole week until finally we just called a moratorium. And I'm sure I'll start tomorrow back on them. But the moral of the story is these are great kids. And I love them, and I don't know what they're going to do with the rest of their lives. But they're officially ready for Twitter because they, they know how to say, you're trash, Y-O-U-R, and they are ready to argue at any time, even though they don't know what they're talking about. Yeah, that pretty much sums up the uh, the next generation, to say the <laughs> least. Um, I, you know, I did radio last night, and, and God knows, um, I don't know why I'm going to sign another contract to keep doing it. <laughs> because, like, I love it, but there's so much negativity, man. And I and finally yesterday, I was like, why are you guys so mad? Um, and, and maybe it's the keyboard warriors that's brought it out in us. Um, and politics. I mean, is there anything that can be discussed on social media without somebody calling somebody trash or without somebody calling somebody out trying to fight? No. Whether it's politics, whether it's sports. Like, what else gets talked about on in social media? <laughs> like, everything is a fight. I see black people fight black people. I see white people fight white people. I see women fight women. I see men fight men. 
I see Republicans fight Republicans. I see Democrats fight Democrats. Y'all some mad motherfuckers, man. Y'all need to get y'all need to get love. Y'all need to get fat. Y'all need to eat some chicken. Y'all need to do something, man. Y'all need to find some happiness in y'all life. What the hell is wrong with y'all? Um, this year, well, it's been an especially bad time. You know, you had the Super Bowl and then you had the State of the Union, but um, it's just really yeah. bad with the the politics and the division. It's really bad. And then um, you it know, is. Uh, sports Twitter. Well, and, and kind of we is say what this? it is. Yes. Well, we let me say this. this. I'm glad you brought this up. I'm glad you brought this up in one way, right? We know we're not going to win any of these arguments, right? I, you know, Fred from Parma who tries to gotcha me on Twitter is no different than Brady, the twelve-year-old who texts me, "You're trash" every single day as soon as he gets out of school, right? He's he's just not exactly. (laughs) But I will say this: Twitter represents a very small part of the population, and whether it's an argument, whether it's a breaking news story. Whether it's the rare discussion worth having about a team making a long-term move or a player making a long-term decision or something that actually alters the sports landscape, we know that most of the outside world is oblivious to this, right? You would not believe even now the number of my friends that text me something five hours later, like, did you hear about this? And I'm like, well, of course, like, I was tweeting it, right? (laughs) Right, it's my job, it's my Um, life, yeah. However, we don't we don't have normal lives. This is what we, this is yeah. What we however, <laughs> in sports, it is not that. I mean, teams are using Twitter to break their own news. Players are using right. Twitter and Instagram to make their own announcements. And I'll say this: like I couldn't believe it was 18 years ago or 19 years ago that the XFL debuted. And I actually remember watching it yeah. that night because I was at a fundraiser or something, and we had it on the one TV. And, you know, they're going for the same window where there's no football on. So this is the time to do it. Right. But I would say this time around, if it wasn't for Twitter, there would be absolutely no one talking about the XFL. And I don't know if it'll make it or not. I know they supposedly have assurances. They have enough money for three years, which is where the AAF screwed up. They kept taking people's word for it that they had enough money. They they didn't. Right. But I think, Dre, as expensive as it is to run a football operation – and as hard as it is to keep people's interest when you don't have the be- the very best players past a couple of weeks, I think when you add the social media element of it and you add that sports fans are on Twitter, and that's where they argue, that's where they consume, that's where they watch these highlights. I mean, I I have not watched an NBA highlight on SportsCenter in years. I watch them on Twitter, right? Um, right, right. You got, I really think, I'm not saying a chance to be a big, a, a big dog among the, the major three, three and a half sports here in the U S but I think social media is, is the vehicle for the XFL to stay relevant past this next month window. Yes. And no, um, I'm, I'm glad we can talk. This is something good to talk about. Let me say this quickly. Um, if you had a problem with the super bowl halftime, shut the fuck up and get a life. Most human beings that I know that actually watch the game. I didn't even watch. The super, I didn't even watch halftime. And I can remember being a child, a child child, probably the same age as they got their cell phones, when there was a video on MTV which shared that she was way more naked than I saw J-Lo and and Shakira or whatever else. I just got to put that out there. I'm so sick of seeing people complain about that. And if you got a problem with it, turn the TV off. Like, if I don't want my kids to see something or I don't want them to hear something, like, my kids don't hear the A to Z podcast. I don't need them to hear that. They're already already embarrassing what I do on TV in real life when I don't cuss. They don't listen to this podcast. They're not allowed to listen to this podcast. That's how you parent. You don't parent by bitching about what somebody's put on TV. 
how about you control your own lives? XFL. I'm glad you mentioned it. Um, here's a couple things. And this isn't to get political, but the USFL, uh, way back when, when we were probably about 12, 13, would have worked and would have lasted a lot longer if a certain person that owned the New Jersey Generals didn't try to get into the NFL and try to battle the NFL. And if you know the long story, the long story, they had a great first year, and the person that owned the New Jersey Generals, because they wouldn't let him be an NFL owner, he decided that he thought that they should go to the court system and try to force their way into being a part of the NFL. Did not work. They ended up winning a dollar, I believe, and it killed the USFL. The thing that the XFL has going for it is that they have the money backing, and the people that we make fun of that tweet about wrestling constantly, well, you have Vince McMahon and his money, and he's taking a big chunk of his money, a big chunk of everything that he's about to try to make this league work. I tip my hat to him. Kudos to him. And as long as ownerships of all the other teams don't try to go in the way of the USFL way back when, when said owner of the New Jersey Generals decided that he could be bigger than everything else, uh, you have a chance to make it because you have the backing and you have some things that, that – um, they're going to do a couple of things that I think are going to be interesting. They're going to try to speed the game up. Uh, they're going to try to talk to players and talk to coaches during the game. Uh, they're going to give, you know, they're going to try to make things a little bit more exciting with, uh, extra points. Um, the only thing I, and I tweeted this to, to, uh, to Ben Axelrod and Camino yesterday, shout out to whatever their, uh, podcast is. I haven't been able to listen to it, but I'm, I'm friends with most of channel three. Um, and all I told them, and I think they both got it and they chuckled. Football is a great sport that here in Northeast Ohio, we all love. And guys like you and I and guys that like listening to our podcast, we have no problem watching a little league game, a peewee game on Wednesday, a freshman game on Thursday, a high school game on Friday. And it doesn't have to be a big game. It doesn't have to be Friday Night Lights. Uh, we can go to Akron on Saturday. We can watch the Browns on Sunday. What that really means is we like, we're, 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 <laughs> we like a lot of bad football. But my point is we will watch football. The thing about watching pro football on television that's made a lot of these leagues not work, even the one that folded after three weeks or four weeks just a couple months ago, is quarterback plays, Zach. I mean, um, there's only so many guys that can play quarterback on a big league level and get hit in the mouth and still make the right reads and make the right passes. In my estimation, there's probably only about 15 and a half, 20 guys in this world that can play at a high level and get hit by guys that are, you know, that are weighing 250 pounds or more. So... The thing that the XFL, in my opinion, to, to have a long-lasting stay, because um, like the USFL, if you go way, way, way back to USFL, why they were successful, they had fucking players, right? Like they had, they had guys, they had the Gerald McNeils, they had the Steve Youngs, they had the Herschel Walkers, they had the Jim Kellys. Um, they had Hall of Fame-type guys that played in the USFL. You won't have that in the XFL. You do have the Cardell Jones. Uh, my Steeler buddies laughed yesterday when they, they sent a picture of uh, ESPN, and they were like, hey, they, they were like, that's like XFL has no chance um, if they're selling Landry Jones. And we all chuckled. That is what this league is going to come down to, in my opinion, Zach. Can they get good enough quarterback play to make us not only watch at the kickoff, but to watch in the fourth quarter? Because those games, the, the games in that other league this past summer, um, we watched the first week, but we both know it was hard to watch the quarterback play. One of them who became the Browns' backup quarterback because he was friends with the right person. They well, were they were hard to watch. Even the best quarterbacks in that league were hard to watch. You're right. However, um, there is an argument that you're never going to get past that 15 to 20 number, and you can argue that until you turn blue. I think you're right in the ballpark there, right? Um, right. If you don't right. develop these guys. And since NFL Europe has gone away, which has shit been a decade now, I think, um, 
there's just yeah, few right. opportunities for these guys. And Garrett Gilbert, who at this very moment is one snap away from being the quarterback of your Cleveland Browns, would maybe not have gotten another NFL opportunity if not for how he played in the AAF last year. Right. And you're so right. you're right. That's yeah. I mean, you can argue about the viability all you want. I, I think it's good and it's going to give guys a chance. It's going to give quarterbacks a chance. Uh, there's eight teams in the league that have a team nine of guys that are going to go through practice and get ready and get to play football. And I, I think, you know, not only developing the players, but t- but tinkering with some of these rules. I think it's good. I, I, I think there's a lot of positives. Yeah. So, no, tomorrow I'm going to go to Brody's game. Right. When I'm not. At the game, I'm going to be watching college basketball or doing whatever, um, you know, probably wrestling the kids that have been texting me I'm trash all week long, right? I'm not going to be religiously <laughs> watching the XFL. But do I think that five, six weeks from now that NFL teams are going to pick up some guys from the XFL, that there's a chance that some players get some opportunities or either refine themselves for when that next opportunity comes? Yes, and I think that's only good. I actually think – it's been greedy of the NFL, just like I think, and I've been adamant here, that it's greedy of Major League Baseball not to do more for the minor leaguers and for the college game. I think it's been greedy of the NFL no to doubt. not do more officially to give young guys a chance to play, right? Especially as the offseason right. has been cut down and probably will be cut more. I'm so, glad, yeah, I'm glad you said this. I'm glad because you're, you're right. As much as I want to complain about the product um, that the XFL may put out, you just made the greatest point. The NFL really cares about its game. Um, you want the XFL to work because there's no NFL Europe. And how do you develop the next wave of quarterbacks? We need those guys. I mean, will we have had Kurt Warner without uh, NFL Europe? No, no. And, I mean, just think yeah, about it this year. You, you know, just think about it this year. Uh, you have Jordan Love coming in from, from Utah, the ultimate up-tempo team yeah. in, in wide open. I mean, he, he's got big-time measurables. It's a conversion, right? You have the kid from Washington State who's played in Leach's offense. I mean, people overlooked Minshew yeah. because that's not the NFL. Well, I don't know if he's ever going to be good or not, but now, you know, you have to put these guys in pro settings because the college game across the board is getting further and further yeah. away from what the NFL is. And, and I mean, I, I mean, think ultimately, Dre, the field will be widened in, in football to, to make the game a little safer and help the quarterbacks. But I just think it's it's only a good thing as you take these guys who maybe have one or two of the traits but haven't had the chance for whatever reason or have played in these sideways spread offenses in college. And I, I think they'll get – I do think you'll see someone, you know, maybe not someone that comes in and saves a franchise, but someone that gets a right. chance to be in the NFL because they had more chance well, to refine their game at 24 years old. Yeah, last thing I'll say, and it plays into this and we can move to another subject – um, the two guys that we know the best quarterback-wise, Cardell Jones and Landry Jones, two guys that we know are, are two guys that have the measurables, two guys that have won games in college when we watched on Saturday, but they need reps. Where the hell else can Cardell Jones get reps? Cardell Jones has needed reps since he was a sophomore in college, and he never fully got the reps that he needed, and that's why he couldn't make it in the NFL. Landry Jones, same thing. Played in off, you know, wide-open offense, Oklahoma State or Oklahoma. You know, like, like – these are guys that have the measurables, can throw the football. They just haven't had a lot of, a lot of reps, uh, you know, since they left college. So these are the perfect opportunities. Um, and that's, like, like you said, like both of them aren't going to make it. But it would be nice to have some better backup quarterbacks around the league. And you may one fall through the cracks and become a starting quarterback. 
I mean, hell, Warren Moon had to play, and, and that's a whole different time, different reason why it happened. But Warren Moon had to go to had to go to Cal had to go to Calgary and go to Canada and win five Grey Cups. But nobody remembers that. Nobody like of the younger generation knows that they know Warren Moon that went to the Hall of Fame for what he did in the NFL. There is a chance to develop some talent um, if this league can stay and develop these guys the right way. So that, how, yeah, how about this will it be one, the Dre? most entertaining football? Yeah. How about this one? Three and five Go and ahead. seven years ago, people were calling the radio station saying Bob, the Browns are going to hire Bob Stoops. Now he's coaching Landry Jones in the XFL. Right. <laughs> right. Isn't that unbelievable? And some of the coach, but you know what, though? That's the other thing. That is the other thing. Um, and we don't touch on this very often. And it's been, it's a, it's a hot, hot key button, minority coaches and things of that nature. And I'm not, and it's, and I'm not, and I'm, and I'm stepping higher than the minority thing. This is another place to develop coaches as well, whether they're whether they're black, brown, female, male, yes. whatever. This should be another place that we can develop, and you can find. And I know that I even hearing the owners of the San Francisco 49ers saying we have to, you know, like obviously they have Shanahan, and he was, you know, he was in the circle because of who his father was and all that other stuff. And I don't, I don't beat that up. But the one thing that their owner said that jumped out to me, he said, but because Shanahan was Shanahan he was pushed through and given jobs that helped him get to this point at a young age. And he said, he goes, we need to do that with more people. We need to find guys that are innovative, that have the great mindset. Let them be running back coaches, wide receiver coaches, quarterback coaches. And this is a league that should be able to do that. And hopefully, and if you're the NFL and you got your mind right, you hope that this is a place that you can develop all these things and it makes the NFL better in five years, not worse. Right. No, um, we know the Cavs are irrelevant in the big picture, um, we know at this point that's okay, right? Winning's not the goal. LeBron's only been gone twenty months, right? We did this before, that's so we know it. how we know how it goes. Uh, trophy of Jordan Face Society, one of the principles of this podcast, right? Uh, NBA, you're either right. at the top or you're at the bottom. You don't want to be in the middle, right? Um, nope. You know, we don't know about some of the decisions that have been made because they've drafted a couple of 5'8 guards, neither of whom is wowing you at this point, both of whom are still young, both have good traits. I think especially Darius Garland, who played all of about, what, five college games, um, deserves to be mm-hmm. given a chance. I think he's he's a talented kid. But the Cavs came to the trade deadline, and Kevin Love has an untradeable contract. Um, I don't know what the market for Tristan Thompson is, was or wasn't uh we know he's going to hit free agency i kind of feel like the Cavs should have taken anything they could get for him i mean they know he's not coming back right um Mm -hmm. but they went ahead and they made a move that nobody would have seen coming they dumped uh expiring assets guys who for all intents and purposes expired themselves nba wise six years ago for andre drummond who is a dinosaur in this league but leads the league in rebounding um who on any given night can have a 30 and 25 game who on any given night can go eight of 26 from the foul line. Um, <laughs> it's, it's interesting. And Dre to me, uh, I'm not, I don't cover the NBA, so I'm not going to claim to know that I'm up on the Cavs books or, you know, the, the hardest read in America, which is truly understanding the NBA salary cap, right? Because it's just as complicated yeah. and ridiculous as can be. But it seems to me that they took a free shot on this guy thinking they'll probably have him next year and just saying, hey, we understand that next year we have to at least try to be competitive and relevant. So maybe at least having this guy that can put up the numbers and anchor what's still going to be a super young team 
can can like maybe sell a couple tickets. I don't know. It's hard to say that. <laughs> right? No, 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 man. I think where you're going with here. Let me listen. Here, here's we as a, and this goes back to the beginning of why we're so bad. We for whatever reason hate change. All of us, right? And and, and I'm saying Zach and Andre are the lead of that. We we are so fundamentally set in what we see. I don't know what the Cavs are trying to accomplish and what they're trying to do. I'm not, I'm not going to be the negative Nelly and sit here and just shit all over it because, well, they suck and they, and they don't have LeBron and they got no chance. They're trying. And do you get, and Andre Drummond has, there is a talent. I think we both agree. He has a talent um, to rebound the basketball. He has, he's a little bit above average offensively, terrible free throw shooter. He's gotten better. Um, when motivated, can put up numbers like the day before he got traded. What do you have, 30 and 19? Why is it at one time the NBA and this and I'm not I'm not saying the Cavs have it all figured out because they don't. I think we all know that. And they're trying they're trying to find their way. But it drives me crazy. Like we're we're, we're mocking the Houston Rockets right now because they got rid of Clint Capella. And I know it's easier to mock than just to, to wait four months to see how something works out. But Clint, they, so they get rid of their center and they're basically starting up but five eight guards, like you just said. I know they're a little better and they're a little bit more talented. And in one game, they go out. It's like saying it snowed a little bit today. (laughs) Well, the point of it is, though, nationally, everybody is killing the Houston Rockets because basically they're saying, fuck it, we're going to go small ball. We're going to do something different. And nationally, everybody jumps up and goes, oh, they're so stupid. What are they doing? But you know what? If you're not innovative and you, you can't get LeBron James and Anthony Davis on your team, if you can't get that Clippers roster, isn't it the job of the general managers and the guys that run the team to try to find something different to do and try to find a way to make the most of the talent they have, Zach? Absolutely. Like, to me, that, that's the job of Coach GM. You make the most of what you have. You may not have and, – and so what I'm saying is this. What the Cavaliers is doing, is it sexy? Is it what everyone else is doing? No. But you know what? At one time, you could be successful bringing the ball down court and, and, and manhandling people down on the post. And the way that you can't put your hands on, on offensive players anymore, if somebody would develop and run the pick and roll the right way and throw the ball down the post, you could kick teams' ass because you can get them in, in foul trouble. I mentioned the Houston situation because Houston's obviously going the complete opposite way. And everybody's laughing at them saying, how are you going to beat the Clippers? How are you going beat to beat the Lakers? Where basically in turn, they're saying, how are you going to beat us if, if we're quicker to the ball? I guess what I'm saying is why can't we allow all these teams to do what they want? Look, Golden State – uh, when they came along with shooting the three and spreading the court the way they did, we all chuckled at Golden State, did we not? Everybody was kind of like, "What the hell is Golden State doing?" Curry never is, is, is never uh, is always injured. Uh, Clay Thompson is too light skinned; he's too soft. That's what some brothers were saying. It's a joke. Um, certain ones will get it, but people looked at that roster and they were like, "That's not a winning roster." And look what they turned into. I just what I, I guess what I'm saying, especially in the game of basketball, there are a lot of different ways to win games. Will the Cavs start winning suddenly now because they have Andre Drummond? No, um, but they got to do. They got to figure out a way to figure out if this twenty and twenty-one year old kid can play. And there are times where I think Sexton's going to be all right, but Sexton may not be all right until he's 24, 25 years old. Garland to me may be a great six man at some point in time, but that may be four or five years away. So you better get somebody that speeds up the process. And if Andre Drummond speeds up the process. And you got to pay him $26 million, which is outrageous to me. Well, the job of Kobe Altman is to try to skin the cat one way or the other and win more games. Because here's the other thing. And I didn't hear anybody say this yesterday. 
There ain't no LeBrons waiting for you in the draft come six months from now, right? Yeah. I mean, look about the text messages that we have amongst our friends that love basketball. There ain't many, there ain't many uh, big names. I mean, look at the names that we, the three of us that we text with, that we went back and forth on possibly in a top two pick. We're talking about LaMelo Ball, the kid from Georgia that I love. Um, there's another guy. There's a couple guys overseas. Uh, who, tell me somebody, the kid that's not playing anymore more for Memphis. Yeah, James Wiseman. Uh, the big seven-foot one. Yeah. Wiseman, who was I, – I mean, none of those guys are going to change your franchise next year, are they, Zach? No, and, and that's, that's what the thing – this comes down to flexibility, right? I mean, ideally, you'd like to say by the time the Cavs are relatively be relevant again and being the eight seed is not relevant. Um, no. Like two to six guys on the current team will be on the roster. But the fact is, Dre, there's no guarantee that more than one and a half of these guys are going to be around or, or are good enough, right? Like, Colin Sexton is going to have an NBA career. It's probably going to be as a scoring guard off the bench, right? They drafted him number eight. Absolutely. Right? Darius Garland, right. blank right. slate. Kevin Porter, really good late first-round pick. Probably a year away from being a year away, right? What's he going to turn into? I don't know. Can he help you? Sure. Is that the kind of pick you make at that stage of the draft? Yes. But so Drummond – assuming he opts in he has another year and then the Cavs you know try to have that relevance try to be competitive and then he's an expiring contract right so I'm for the trade I'm just saying and and again someone who's not in this every day uh in in that league and understands that they're a mile away from being a mile away sorry to use that cliche again um you know, I, I, I don't have a problem doing this because it was essentially free, right? And you, no free right. agent this summer or next summer no. is going to say, boy, I would like to come to Cleveland, right? So do this and see where it takes you because you still have options. And that's the biggest thing. You have to have your flexibility because there is not right. one thing, on the, one person on this roster that's a guarantee of any sort. And like you said, they didn't give anything up. They gave nothing up. And if you get the expiring contract, hell, and think about the expiring contracts you can get for $26 million next year if it works out that way. Um, it's, I, I don't see a problem with it. I, and I don't see a problem. You know, and I don't totally see a problem. Like, all right, if you could only get two second-round picks for Tristan Thompson, would that have been enough for you? Uh, yeah, because, listen, you know he's not coming back. Rich Paul don't owe this organization right. any favors. It's time for Tristan to move along. The Cavs should know how much yeah. miles, you know, how much tread is on those tires. I would have done it for two right. second round picks. I, I will say this. I, mean, I don't know. If, I was okay. listening to a podcast or a radio show the other day, and they said that the Cavs don't have any second round picks this year or next. And I said that has to be wrong. And I looked it up, and it was right. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's my question. Like, I, I understand that more of your team right now is twenty two and under than twenty five and up, but like. How in the world does that happen if you're doing this full-scale rebuild and you're trying to take stabs at guys to start with, right? Those because are... of what they had to do when they – because it goes back to what they had to do and what they were trying yeah. to do years back when yeah. they had LeBron and trying to win championships. And you won the you championship, I mean? and That's I get it... that. And you won the championship. And every year on Father's Day, we all get to tweet about it, right? And and it yep, wasn't that right. long ago that they were – it was only two seasons ago that they were in the finals. I get that it's part of the growing pains. Yeah. I just – they would have to explain to me – and I know Kobe did a conference call today. I, I did not listen or I did not see the transcript. But you would have to explain to me how Tristan Thompson wasn't worth a couple of second-round picks from some team. I think that's a fair question. I tend to agree because 
I tend to agree because he would have been perfect for Boston, L.A., both the L.A. teams, Houston. Like, there's six teams, there's six playoff teams that I know he would look great on. Uh, so that doesn't make sense to me either. Um, it's beyond my scope. I don't know how they didn't get anything for him. But at the same time, I, and if you, you may laugh at this, um, I kind of like that he stays there with those kids because the one thing that, he, that I think that he's doing is he's making those kids understand what it's like to be in the NBA and he's not making them soft. Um, even though they're so disconnected. And it's not like Tristan is that old. He's barely, he's not even 30, right? But think about the difference of like 29, 30 years old to 19, 20 years old. Yeah. Like there's such a disconnect in those, in those age brackets. Um, and I think even and Andre Drummond is going to go through that. And, and I think the thing that's going to kill the Cavs, and this is the last thing I'm going to say on him because I want to move to something else. Um, not having a second round picks going forward is kind of weird. But that stupid contract that Kevin Love is going to be an albatross until it's over. You owe him $90 million for three more years after this year. And that guy, and God bless him, um, good for him. I never hate a man's paycheck. I never get a man's paycheck. But that was one of the worst contract extensions of all time, in my opinion. Speaking of contract extensions and, uh, and athletes in Cleveland, did you uh, have a chance to hear or see or read – uh, any of the things that Francisco Lindor said last weekend at Tribes Fest? Um, I, I scanned. I scanned an article. I did not um, dive into it. I, I did listen to. I, I guess I caught a soundbite of him talking, and I thought someone coached him up well on what to say. But I don't have any opinion on. Well, that's what you're. Asking. It's funny. You, it's funny you say that. <laughs> it's funny you say that he was coached up. So um, the show that that. That we did like a, at sports time. I did a bunch of interviews with the guys on Friday and Saturday night, and a little behind the scenes, um, Frankie, Frankie, and Roberto Perez were stuck in Orlando, and they were supposed to get in Friday night, but the plane situation got all screwed up. So the Indians had to like the Indian, you know, it was the, it, like there's so many different moving parts, and I, and I, I it's somewhat this is bookworthy at some point in time years down the road. There's so many moving parts in in, in trying to make a, an organization go forward. And I think both of us have been around organizations in different phases. Like, we all know what's most important, wins and losses, right? But there's so many different departments that have jobs to do, whether it be the marketing department, whether it be the front office, whether it be the coaching staff, whether it be the players, whether it be the guys that work the, you know, that work the players out. Everybody has their own agenda, right, Z? Everybody, like, it's supposed to, everybody has an agenda that's supposed to lead to winning. Sure. But when you get all these people with different agendas, different agendas play out. Um. The Indians were bending over backwards to Frankie and Roberto Perez made it to Tribe Talk, Tribe Fest last week. Um, because the optics, if Frankie doesn't make it last week, what's the story? What's the story? If Frankie's not there last Saturday, what's the story you see on the, on the front page of every paper? That he wants training. And every website. That he's on out. Sunday and yeah. Monday. Yes. Right, yes. When, in fact, they just had plane situations that stuck. And the Indians bent over backwards to help to make sure that he, got his, that he was there. And he wanted to be there. So much so that they got him on a private jet first thing Saturday morning and flew his ass in there, and he went right from the plane, right from not having his hotel room and not staying where he thought he was going to Friday night to walking right into the convention center. And basically, you know, 45 minutes after he landed in Cleveland, he's sitting on a stage with me getting interviewed. And, I, and I'll admit this, and some reporters won't like this, but, I, I mean, we all do our jobs the way we do our jobs. But I do a job where I'm going to be on TV with somebody, um, I want to have a basis of where we stand before we start talking. And I've known Frankie for a long time. Um, and there's some, re- and he does things out of respect towards me. I do some things out of respect towards him. And I said to him, as all these people are yelling and screaming, asking for autographs, he's giving me a hug. 
And he asked me how I'm doing, tells me I'm looking skinny again, and I whisper to him as we're getting ready to start, how do you want to talk about the rumors in this summer or this offseason? And he looked me dead in the eye and said, Dre, ask me everything. I'm prepared and ready. <laughs> so that was the first interview he did before you, the, the stuff you guys heard. And when I got to it, and, and, I, and I made this quite clear because and I've said this on this podcast, and I do believe it because I've talked to him without microphones. And I said, hey, man, you've always told me your number one goal is to win a championship in Cleveland. Has that changed now that you've heard everything is heard? He's like, no, I still want to win a championship here. I, that's my number one goal. I'm not money-driven. I'm championship-driven. Now, in saying that, five minutes later, he also said, um, but I want my worth. I want what I'm worth. I can't blame him for that. I want my worth, too. A to Z podcast wants his worth. I don't know if we're going to get it, but we're going to try, sure. right? Right. Um, I just felt like I felt like he, and I'm not saying this in a bad way because Frankie didn't have any bad intentions, but I do feel like he kind of drew his own line in the sand. Look, the Dolans are never going to be the winners in this town, um, no matter what happens. Uh, because they didn't win a championship in 16, uh, because fans are fans and have their mind made up already, as we've talked about, uh, and refuse to look at the light of, uh, of the situation. Hey, something happened in baseball this week that if you really want to bitch about the Indians not being able to keep Lindor or keep CeCe Sabathia or Cliff Lee or whomever else or Victor Martinez, the truest problem in baseball showed up this week, and I don't hear any of you bitching about it. When the Boston Red Sox, one of the biggest markets in, in the world, one of the most iconic franchises in all of sports, can't keep or can't afford a player that they drafted, they cultivated, they brought all along, and he becomes one of the best players in baseball, and they do a salary dump. That tells you that baseball's problem isn't the Cleveland Indians. Baseball's problem is Major League Baseball. Like, but I've heard no – like, everybody bitches about, the, you know, the Indians looking into can they make moves for this guy or this guy because they can't afford it. And when the Dolans can't afford it, I hear every time Dick and Harry say, well, the Indians are cheap. The Dolans are this. The Dolans are that. I haven't heard, and I didn't listen to Boston radio this week. I haven't listened to Boston podcasts. I'm sure Bill Simmons is making like the end of the world is coming because they couldn't keep. But if you, like, Mookie Betts is Francisco Lindor in Boston, people. And they just did a salary dump. They salary dumped Mookie Betts to the L.A. Dodgers. So the next time you want to bitch about somebody being cheap, why don't we look in the mirror and look at the real problem with Major League Baseball? They need, a, they need a salary floor. They need a salary cap. It's getting ridiculous that teams can't take care of their own players and keep them. Whether it's bird rights like the NBA has done, whether it's the NFL, and I don't know how realistic this is, having a separate salary cap for quarterbacks, which I kind of chuckle at, and I don't know if I like it. But obvious, it's pretty obvious to me, Zach, when Mookie Betts is moved from the Boston Red Sox because they're worried they can't afford him, baseball has a problem. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and the interesting thing that lies over all of this is baseball has a problem that a lot of its older fans are boom out of here. Right. Yeah, well, so we'll, that, well, that's the other thing. We'll see. Um, we, we know but, the, t- we know the, the but, TV money but, is, right? TV money is the driving force in all these sports now, right? So Correct. Um and this is the thing hanging over everything in the NFL. You know, this is this upcoming year is the last year on the current CBA. And one thing the owners are holding mm-hmm. out for is 17 games because that means even more TV money. And, you know, I don't know anything other than 
than what I've read or what people have said publicly. Uh, I actually spent an hour or so this morning trying to catch up on as much of, of that as I can. But I think some of the players are willing to say, okay, 17 works for, for more guys on the roster and another bye week, sure. But you're getting more of that TV money, and we want more of our cut too. So we'll see. Right. Well, didn't somebody last year talk about the money that they got just from Thursday Night Football? And I basically, like, I, gosh, who wrote it? It was so good. Because I, I, don't, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me. But it was basically saying for the guys that are complaining about Thursday Night Football, they're not walking away from the, the 30% or 40% more of the, of the contract money they're getting from it. And I guess that's probably what's going to happen if you try to add a 17th game, right? If you're the NFL players and they, and they insist on that 17th game, you have to insist on a 40 50% cut of whatever the TV contract comes from them yeah. adding another game. I will say this. I will say that adding that game can actually make Thursday Night Football better again because it's not going away. No one, no one wants it. No. Sheldon Richardson told me on the record it should be abolished. He said, write it, scream it, broadcast it, tweet it. It should be abolished. But right now, as it's constructed, right, teams can't go by Thursday night because you have to get a certain amount of days off in the bye that's in the CBA. But when you add the second right. bye, what you'll be able to do is teams come off that, play on Thursday on extra rest, and then still get the long weekend. And all of a sudden the Thursday night product, at least for a handful to a half of the year, gets much better. Because it is forced right now. Like yeah. ev- everybody looks forward to that Thursday night opener, right? They've done a great job of establishing a tradition with that, right? And everybody looks for like adding that third game on Thanksgiving night. That was great. That's great for TV. It's great for the league. It's great for people laying around in turkey comas, right? But like in week two, nobody wants Thursday night. And especially in week 10, nobody wants Thursday night when it's a fucking Jaguars against the Colts, right? Nobody wants that. Right, So right. I will say making it a better product and people who are watching because it's their team and they don't get to watch them the previous Sunday and they come off of that, that is one thing that can make it better because it's not going away. That That's going to be one of the non-negotiables is Thursday night football. So, you know, I, like I said, personally for the betterment of the game, it should go down to six or eight weeks rather than 15 or 16 weeks of Thursday night football, but it's not going away. I'm, I'm not going to win that and the players aren't either. No, but the, I mean, if you want the, pro, it's just like the, but it goes back to the, so you got to expand the rosters. Like you have to stop being greedy and let, mm-hmm. and let, let 53 men be active on game day. Right. Like that, like to me, like there's just subtle things like that. How about start paying the fucking guys in the practice squad a decent amount of money since you beat the shit out of them all week long. Yeah. Like that's where the players at some point in time, in my opinion, you got to step up, you got to take care of each other. And I don't think the NFL, in my opinion, the NFL's Player Association has not always done that. And a lot of times it's been, we'll get the most money for the 40-some guys, you know, for the 40-some guys that are on the active roster. Well, you better start taking care of everybody else or it's good because it's, it runs downhill. Um, so you're right. Thursday Night Football is here to stay. The 17th game is going to happen. We've heard these rumors for years. Whether it's this CBA or the next one, they're going to get that 17th game. Why? Because these owners know they're printing freaking TV money, right? Mm-hmm. They're printing money. And they're like, why, and dude, we can print another billion dollars. Why would we not print that money? They're going to force you guys to do it. So rather than trying to make you know, another $50,000 or $500,000, how about you take care of the other guys that are out there getting the shit beat out of them all year long with you? So a um, couple of quick things while, while you guys are listening here. Um, the Browns have a 30 to 40% chance of playing in London this year. The Jags are hosting. Uh, two games over there. They've already announced it won't be a couple teams. I think last year it was the Texans. Anyway, it won't be back-to-back with that. So 
the Browns are basically one of five teams for two games that are going to be over there. So 40% chance. And then for those of you hard, hardcore um, who get into the preseason, and I understand every year because the team's different every single year, um, the Justin Bieber concert is in Cleveland the week of the first preseason. And if they keep on the same schedule, it'd be the Browns' year to go to Detroit for the GLC in week four. So those two home games would be uh, weeks two and three for those of you who like to make your tailgating plans. And as a wise person who listens to this that. podcast Look once told me, there is nothing like going to a Browns preseason game because the weather's nice, you drink all you want, and nobody cares who wins or loses. <laughs> uh, I can't believe you're breaking down Justin Bieber cops. Hey, I, I asked this on the radio last night. If you're a ticket broker, will you make more money off the four concerts coming to uh, First Energy Stadium this summer or on the Browns' eight home game or ten games? Yeah. Which one do you think you make more money as a ticket broker? Well, Dallas – Big dates at, at First Energy. Yeah, Dallas doesn't come here, right? Um, mm. Andrew okay. Luck doesn't play for the, the Colts anymore. The Giants don't come here. The Jets don't come here. Damn. That's a great question. Try it. Who's coming who's, – Who's coming from the NFC East? Washington? Washington and Philly come here. The Browns no. go to Dallas. The Browns have two games in the same stadium in New York. Uh, at Jacksonville, okay. at Tennessee, at Dallas. And yeah, I already mentioned at the Jets. So okay. that's, yeah. that's how it goes. Damn. Yeah. They gotta you gotta go to you gotta go to East Rutherford twice. That yep. sucks. Hey, there's a direct Akron Canton and Newark. But you're going maybe. to England. <laughs> well, I'm not necessarily that's going that, to that, England. New, hey, that, we'll see. Right. That and that Newark, uh, that Newark uh, airport is actually pretty decent, even though it's Newark. Yeah. I was just in it a couple of weeks ago. It's got a nice, like, got a nice place to eat. <laughs> That's all that you know what's crazy it. when you're um, there? Like, obviously, there's security at every airport, and I get it. Um, but when you're there and they got the full body gear on and the, <laughs> the big guns hanging out, it's a little different yeah. than strolling into Akron Canton ten minutes before yeah. the flight takes off. <laughs> <laughs> there is no doubt about that. It's a little reality check when you're in Newark Airport. That is for sure <laughs> all right i gotta go um, so, so this is friday so um you know we'll see the Cavs don't play till sunday then next week's the all-star break uh we'll play some glory days next time and talk about why white people hate the nba as we talk about the all-star game <laughs> uh there it will be emotional uh with all the kobe stuff they're going to do there um i would expect the browns to finally have a couple of quiet weeks most of the guys are hired and there's really only two full weeks till the combine, so they're going to get to work. Uh, there might be a coordinator's press conference in there, but I don't think there's any urgency with that. I mean, everybody kind of knows who those guys are, and that actually the team has made those official in the past couple of days. Uh, pitchers and catchers are next week. When do you go? What's the date that you go? February 25th is when I go. Okay. I wait till they start playing games. Yeah. So. <laughs> but yeah, well, anyway. To it. Hey, you know what? We did something. We did something on radio last night with Camino. Uh-huh. Um, and I know the money thing with the Indians isn't weird, but the next time you will, and I'm just saying this out loud. And look, I expect the Indians to make. There's a couple other. Domingo Santana will happen next week. Um, he basically he can do everything Puig can do, and he's not the pain in the ass Puig, Puig can be. And I say that as a person that loves Puig, but I know why you don't sign him. Um, I'll say this quickly and just do this with me. The next time somebody starts bitching about the Indians and what they did in the offseason, and that's fine. I'm not happy about what they did in the offseason either. But name the top five Indians players, and then name me, and then name the top five players from each other team in baseball that you want that you're curious about, whether it's the White Sox, Twins, Red Sox, Yankees, um, and, and the Astros. Their top five players match up pretty good with the top five players of other teams. Does that mean they're going to win 93 games again? No. 
Um, but they're still pretty fucking good. And that's, that's what I took from TriFest. If you listen to, if you read Twitter and you listen to the radio long enough, you would think the Indians are back in 1980 and, and, and Camacho, you know, and <laughs> I, Ernie Camacho was coming out to pitch. They're going to still be pretty fucking good is my point. Uh, we were in a B-dubs the other night. A few of us went to the Mount Union game and we were in the B-dubs and, uh, the ESPN uh, Daily Gambling Show was on, and the bet they had on the yeah. board was either eighty six. Um, yeah, they had either the dot, either the Dodgers or the Yankees win it, or the field wins it in baseball. And I think the Dodgers and Yankees were favored, wow. if I remember correctly. So it sounds about right. Yeah, it's, it's, no, it sounded right to me. My, my little knowledge of baseball, it sounded right to me. Yeah. I mean, hey, I think most years you would take that risk, right? You get the 86 to 90 wins, you got a chance. Hey, you, you got to get in the tournament. And as you got to get in the tournment. That's hey, exactly. what you got to do. You got to be the hottest team in the tournament. We've said that. We've said that on this podcast forever. The hot team in the tournament wins. The Washington Nationals last year went in as a wild card, beat the shit out of us the weekend as they got they got ready for it, and they baby shark their way to having a, having a parade. You need to be hot at the right time, right place is what it comes down to, no matter what sport it is. Travis Kelsey's parade performance was everything basketball. I expected it to be. <laughs> I love that. Kid. I'm surprised he's still not cussing on that. <laughs> <laughs> he'll be hung he's over for a few more days, and he'll get right back after it. Yeah. All right. Um, thanks for listening. In downtown Cleveland. Yep. Thanks for listening. Uh, shouts to scene to the honeymoon girl to American fireworks at as always. They're always open at American fireworks.com. Um, we're both here for a couple more weeks. So, uh, let's see what we can cook up. Thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you soon on a to Z. Hey, we may have to write. We may have to make a ride out to Avon and Kenichiwa, John Henson. We barely knew you. <laughs> <laughs>